Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Listen to me, you deaf bastard, Fast Eddie. You had your chance to make this show a hit, and you blew it! You blew it! I'm sure that won't cause any problems. The following podcast contains... Yes, sir, he commenced to cussing and laying about with threat. Don't you cuss at me, Jimmy Dean. I'll sick my dog on you. You have to use so many cuss words. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided beating up an old man was the thing to make your case to the public, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, June 12th, 2020, This Pig Was Cool edition of the show, where we talk about what the fuck is up with the police. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Fat Leo's Law Enforcement Training, because those who can't do, teach. Are you looking to meet the minimum requirement by law for police use of force training? Does your budget priorities include an actual Ed 209 robot from RoboCop for crowd control over high-quality personnel? Would your city prefer to pay out more in lawsuits than in prevention? Then you need Fat Leo's Law Enforcement Training. We will send a crazy-eyed white nationalist who's been fired from at least three police jobs to you and your officers to teach them everything they need to know about police work. When you want warriors instead of those pussy-ass peace officers, you want Fat Leo's Law Enforcement Training. Alright, you're gonna bust me. I told you I'm not interested. Yeah, I know. Kinda strange. Like you might be dangerous. Of course I'm dangerous. I'm police. I can do terrible things to people. With impunity. I used to be a cop. I used to be proud of that. Today... Well, let's just say it isn't something I bring up when I first meet people. Because being a cop wasn't something I was destined to be. There are no cops in my family, nor did I dream of doing the job as a kid. I became a cop because... I've been feeling apathetic toward everything. College wasn't on the menu, and I would have dropped out anyway because I was smart, but very lazy. And I wanted to be a photojournalist, but Mountain Home, Idaho wasn't a hotbed for that kind of career. So I signed up for the Air Force, put a bunch of jobs on a list, and they, in their infinite wisdom, made me a cop. Now, I was surprised to find that I liked being a cop. I was even good at being a cop. I even bought into the mythology of cops being noble protectors of the public. That is one enormous load of horseshit. I was young and really fucking young and barely sentient if you actually want to know the truth and my parents somehow managed to raise me with an unsullied wally and the beeve 1950s naivete that can only come from two people who believe in an invisible sky wizard and that he dictated a bunch of books to a bronze age dope fiend and nut jobs bible learning I also really got into the Hollywood version of being a cop. I rather fancied myself the roguish job comes first, take no shit from the bosses because goddamn the law is supposed to mean something anti-hero. And how did that work out? 
Oh, I was passed over promotions and good jobs. I was regularly written up and generally considered to be kind of a fuck up. Everyone agreed that when I was at work, I was one of the best. But when it came to the actual job, I was, uh... Because almost everyone I've talked to thinks he's an asshole. And everyone was right. I was an asshole. I drank too much. Why are you using the past tense? Treated women like shit and always assumed that the rules were written for other people. I was pure because I was on the side of the fucking police angels. And if you've ever seen The Wire, then you've seen me. I was Jimmy McNulty, Mayberry edition. What the fuck did I do? And this was before The Wire came out. If I had seen it then... Well, I would still fucking love Jimmy McDulty as I do now. I watch The Wire to this day and see myself and what my life would have been if I'd gone career law enforcement. And right here, I want to cop to, uh... No pun intended. Cop to the shit and be honest with you. Did I do some racist stuff when I was a cop? Of course I fucking did. I was a cop in the 80s and the 90s. We racially profiled, we targeted people because they looked like a criminal. Any teenager of color, they looked like a criminal. At the base NCO clubs on Wednesday night, it was what we called Disco Night, which is not what the club called it, but that is what us dumbass shit racist cops called it because they played black music that night and more black folks went than white. Oh, sure. We staked out the club on the weekends, always looking for drunk drivers too, but Wednesdays were always like sharks circling a dying dolphin. I have so many stories about the stupid, evil, racist shit that we would do back in those days. I could do a whole podcast called Confessions of a Cracker Cop, and it would road to a 15-run episode before I ran out, and then I could start asking other cops and probably go on for the rest of my life. But for all that, I was in no way the worst offender. At least I never fabricated reasons to pull people over just on the color of their skin or coerced confessions or faked evidence. I, uh, I didn't want to win by cheating. <laughs> Very noble of you. It's hard to pin down exactly when I realized I was doing something wrong. I remember the Rodney King beating and thinking, well, that wasn't how I'd been trained, but surely those cops must have known something I didn't. The OJ trial was a big hit to my cop ego when Mark Furman was revealed to be a real racist piece of shit to the point where even I, who was sure that the juice did that shit... Oh yeah, I know. He totally did it. ...was like, well, now, I could see how maybe he didn't do it, so I couldn't convict him. But it was related to all of this that finally made me check my fucking white ass privilege. I was interviewing this kid. He was probably 13 or 14. It was something for really small and really stupid. It was 911 hangout to the youth center. And one of the adults working there rounded up these three kids he thought had done it and had me in to get their names and parents' information. If you can't guess where all this is going, yeah, all three of the kids were black. Now look, I didn't think much of it. It was all just take some names for the blotter and somebody would call their parents. I didn't have anything to do it and then I was gonna go back about my way. But the last kid wasn't having any of it. He was pissed because he felt like they were sing singled out because they were black and honestly, they probably were. He refused to give me a name and said something like, what are you gonna do about it, Officer Furman? And that, that pissed me off because you know. That's your white fragility talking. I jabbed my finger at the name tape on my chest and said, does this look like my name is Officer Furman? And the kid stares me dead in the eye and says, I don't know. If all black kids are criminal to you, then all cops are racist to me. Stop me cold in my tracks, because honestly, I had nothing to say to that. We sat there in silence for like a minute. And then I said something along the lines of good point, and I just ripped up the report I was taking and cut all three of them loose. That kid, 
would probably be in his late 30s or early 40s today. So I hope he's still out there providing reality checks to white cops who don't think that what they're doing is wrong. Just because their suspect is black doesn't mean they're guilty and the cop isn't innocent of being part of a broken system that it makes all black people suspects. I stayed a cop another, I don't know, five, six, seven years after this, but I did try to make sure I was seeing the evidence, not the color of the people I was dealing with. Was I perfect at this? No, but at least I tried. By the time I finally left the job, I was so thoroughly disgusted by pretty much everything in policing. Most of all, the change that had come over the people that I'd worked with who started regarding the people as their enemy. And after 9-11, it was endemic in police work. I was burnt out, fucked up, and I wanted out. So uh, I McNulty'd my way right off the job and it was the best fuck up I've ever done. You're not the run of the mill kind of asshole, are you, Jimmy? All of this is why I have such a hard fucking time the past few weeks watching police around the country just being fucking fascist on the people. I mean, compared to the people getting the shit kicked out of them by the very people whose salary they pay, I have fuck all to feel hard done by. But man, think about that. Think about it for a second. Say that you owned a bar and your bouncers just beat the shit out of you because they could. What would you do to them? Fire them. Yeah, you fire them. To a lot of people, this is exactly what we should do with the cops. Fire them. And this is the idea behind the defunding and or abolishing the police. That's just, that's crazy talk. That was my first reaction as well. After all, the world is full of evil and we need sheepdogs to keep the wolves out of the flock. And uh, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me over the years and said, you know, I always thought there was something wrong with me. All my life, people told me I was a wolf. I'm not a wolf. I would never harm the flock. But I yearn for a righteous battle. I yearn for an opportunity to use my skills. The sheep are all those kind, decent, gentle creatures who can only hurt you by accident or extreme provocation. And the wolf will feed in the sheep without mercy. And then there's the sheepdog. The sheepdog is a predator too. The sheepdog's a mediator too. It takes a predator to hunt a predator. But that, that sheepdog, if you have no propensity for violence, then you're a nonviolent citizen. If you have a propensity for violence and an absence of empathy, violence without any emotion for others, pretty good definition of aggressive sociopath or, or a wolf. But what if you had a propensity for violence and a love for the lambs? What if you spent a lifetime nurturing the capacity for violence and a desire to use it in a righteous battle. You know, the sheep heard about the 9-11 hijackers. They said, thank God I wasn't on that plane. The sheepdog heard about the 9-11 hijackers. They said, I wish I was on that plane. Maybe I could have made a difference. And that's that mindset. And the amazing thing is that the sheepdog, they're not destroyed by combat. They thrive in it. We have got to go into combat with what I call a positive self-fulfilling prophecy. People have scripts in their mind, and if, if you get in a gunfight and you say, oh my God, my life is going to go to hell, I had to kill this guy, everything's going to be shit, then that's a mental program you just gave yourself. My life is going to go to hell, everything's going to go to shit. Most people will tell you, in private, one-on-one, -on -one, that when I had to shoot that bad guy, it was the culminating achievement of a lifetime of preparation. I used my skills in a life and death event to stop a deadly force threat and to save lives and to stop a bad man. It was the ultimate achievement of my lifetime. The p 
pinnacle of a lifetime of preparation. It was a moment of great adrenaline and achievement and all my training came together and, 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 and it was a, one of the greatest moments in my life. If, if you think about going into combat that way, and the sheepdog does, the sheepdog yearns for that opportunity, then, then when combat comes, you're not destroyed. You got a positive self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and, and it's so important that we don't sink into what I call the pity party. But we have this positive self-fulfilling prophecy as we go into combat. The sheepdog, they yearn for that righteous battle. And when the moment comes, they, they thrive on it. They take pride in it. Uh, and and they, they get on with their lives and, and are able to sustain themselves and be triumphant and stronger from their experience. That guy, who is a glassy-eyed fucking lunatic, is Lieutenant Colonel retired Dave Grossman. If you want a mental picture of what he looks like, imagine Marshall Applewhite, the nutless whack job that led the Heaven's Gate cult into mass suicide and given a gun and then give him a gun. And there you have Dave. Ah, damn, Dave. This fucker should be stripped of his Dave status. He's not a Dave, but he is one of the preeminent law enforcement trainers in America. And his fucking company is, and I wish I was making this shit up. It's called the Killology Research Group. What the fuck? Huh? What the fuck? Cops fucking love this sociopathic cult leader. They eat his fucking peanut-laden shit right off fine China with a nice Chianti. From an article in Mother Jones, quote, Grossman calls his discipline Killology, the scholarly study of the destructive act. Through the years he spent as a soldier... He has never killed anyone in combat, unquote. Jesus, fuck, right there, right there, that right there. He is like a fucking serial killer who served as a radio repair man in the military, and he's really pissed he never got to kill anyone. And if you think I'm making that analogy up, I point you to David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, and I could point you to a lot, lot more. Going back to the article, quote, and while he is a luminary to many in law enforcement, the warrior mentality he espouses is under fire. As Black Lives Matter has exposed the prevalence of police abuses and confrontational attitude that often sparks them, Grossman continues to insist that cops are the ones under siege and that they must be more, not less, prepared to use force. The number of dead cops has exploded like nothing we've ever seen, Grossman tells the armed citizens in Lakeport. This is a commentary by Mother Jones. This is not true. The average annual number of police officers intentionally killed while on duty in the past decade is 40% lower than what it was in the 1980s. Back to Grossman. If emergency medicine and body armor hadn't improved since the 1970s, Grossman claims, the number of dead cops would be eight times what it is today. It's not clear how he arrived at these figures. I'll tell you where he got them. He pulled them out of his ass because that's what con men and cult leaders do. But this is the kind of shit considered training in law enforcement today. Derek Chauvin, the man who murdered George Floyd under color of authority of the state, attended Grossman's lectures. The shit weasel that murdered Philandro Castile attended Grossman's lectures. Grossman's lectures are among the most popular courses in the country today, and you could take them online for as little as 80 bucks. And I want to be fucking clear, Grossman was never a fucking cop. He was a grunt, a paratrooper, and then a platoon commander and rose through the ranks in the infantry. And I think I spent last week noting the reasons why infantry troops shouldn't be doing law enforcement. But if you need a quick refresher, because they are trained to kill people and break shit, that's not law enforcement. 
That Grossman is only one of myriad hucksters out there peddling militarism to street cops because it's good fucking money. That's why so many con men and cult leaders are out there doing it because it's a great way for girlfriends gonna get paid. So, like I said before, some people are thinking, hey, what if we took the money we give to cops and... Or just hear me out here. And use that money to invest in programs that made it so we didn't need the cops. <laughs> You're mad. I know how it sounds because that's how it sounded to me too at first, but then I thought about it. We've known for a long time how the number of driving crime was poverty. It's a fucking science. Even if you think about it for half a second, it's common sense. If you set aside white collar crime where rich fuckers steal from all of us to make themselves richer, the biggest crime out there is petty property crime, poor people doing small crimes, shoplifting, check fraud, even drug offenses. And if we actually did something about poverty, wouldn't that reduce crime? Yeah, but maybe. Okay, I'm being too broad for you here. Drug offenses. Let's focus on those for a minute. Drugs are far and away the biggest crime we have. Why? Because we say they are. What, just what if, instead of sending the cops to lock people up for drugs, we sent drug counselors? You little commie. I mean, okay, I know you probably aren't ready for that either, but imagine if drugs are no longer a crime, but a health problem, like drinking or smoking, instead of sending out waves of cops to bust skulls and fill jails, we send out people from the neighborhood to talk to people, offer them help, or at least help them legally and safely do the drugs they're going to do anyway. The money we save on prisons alone would pay for these programs and so many more, and it might, it might just save lives. You can't say that about the cops. Property crimes, graffiti, broken windows, petty theft. George Floyd was murdered for 20 fucking dollars. Instead of sending the cops, what if we sent people from the neighborhood trained on how to deal with this kind of thing and intervene without the threat of jail? I was a store detective for a little while. Do you know what 95% of our shoplifters were? Children. Right. Do you know the most effective way to deal with kids shoplifting? Please, don't tell my mom. Yeah, we're gonna tell your mama. That shit works. Same with all the other stuff, because most of the time is petty shit and can be dealt with by parents, loved ones occasionally. Even your producer has to come and drag your drunk ass home. This idea isn't really all that radical or new. Once upon a time, people dealt with this shit on their own as a matter of day-to-day -day life. When I was a kid in the 70s, no one called the cops if I got stopped with a candy bar in my pocket walking out of the door. They called my mom, who whooped my ass. The town drunk got stupid and made a scene. You called his wife, who whooped his ass. Teenage punk mouthed off you in a drive-in. You called his dad, who whooped his ass. Okay, maybe we should probably aim to eliminate the ass whooping as well, but you see my point. Communities used to police themselves and the cops were only involved when things went too far or someone got hurt. These days, people call the cops for everything. Noisy neighbor, black guy speaks to the Rambo, brown person not respecting your whiteness, call the cops. Stray dog, naked lady sunbathing in her own backyard, call the cops. Kid has a meltdown in class, call the cops. We treat the cops as the catch-all for everything. The David Brown, the former chief of police in Dallas, fucking made this point so eloquently. We're asking cops to do too much in this country. We are. We're just asking us to do too much. Every societal failure, we put it off on the cops to solve. Not enough mental health funding. Let the cop handle it. 
Not enough drug addiction funding. Let's give it to the cops. Here in Dallas, we got a loose dog problem. Let's have the cops chase loose dogs. You know, schools fail. Give it to the cops. Um, 70% of the African American community is being raised by single women. Let's give it to the cops to solve that as well. That's too much to ask. Policing was never meant to solve all those problems. And I just ask for other parts of our democracy, along with the free press, to help us. To help us uh, and not put that burden all on law enforcement to resolve. The chief of police of the Dallas police was basically arguing to defund the police. That's what defunding the police really means. Shifting the burden from the cops to to the people who are trained to do the kind of work that needs to be done. This is from a June 7th article in the Washington Post. Quote, defunding and abolition probably means something different from what you are thinking. For most proponents, defunding the police does not mean zeroing out budgets for public safety and police abolition does not mean that police will disappear overnight or perhaps ever. Defunding the police means shrinking the scope of the police responsibilities and shifting most of what the government does to keep us safe to entities that are better equipped to meet the need. It means investing more in mental health care and housing and expanding the use of community mediation and violence interruption programs. Police abolition means reducing with the vision of eventually eliminating our reliance on policing to secure our public safety. It means recognizing that criminalizing addiction and poverty, making 10 million arrests per year and mass incarceration have not provided the public safety we want and never will. The abolition language is important because it reminds us that policing has been the primary vehicle for using violence to perpetrate the unjustified white control over bodies and lives of black people that has been with us since slavery. That aspect of policing must literally be abolished, unquote. Defenders of the status quo, defenders who are largely white and male, want you to believe you need these warrior fucking cops on the street to keep the wolves at bay. I am here to tell you, as a former cop, there are no fucking wolves. To compare you, my fellow citizens, to sheep is the biggest fucking insult I can imagine. It is literally removing your humanity and turning you into a placid, idiotic creature that is so stupid you are unable to take care of yourself. Defending you from imaginary boogeyman in the dark has always been the tool of authoritarians from the days of Rome through the imaginary Jewish cabals of the Third Reich right down to the scary black man today. It is a fiction created to keep you under control and you should not fall for it. If you do, then you are a sheep and you deserve what you get. We're asking cops to do too much in this. There are crimes out there, real crimes. You're goddamn right. There are now and always will be murders, rapes, billionaires, and politicians. And those people need someone to find them, investigate them, and send their billionaire asses to jail when they can, where they can hang themselves just like Jeffrey Epstein didn't. But those people looking for them, hunting them, prosecuting them should be fucking professionals. Do you know what you need to be a cop like I was? Just some schmuck with a gun and the power to take your life with impunity? Of course you don't, because there isn't one. Not a universal one. It varies from state to state, even city to city. In one city, you might need a college degree. In the next city over, you might only need a GED. You know what GED stands for? Good enough diploma. 
The closest thing there is is a peace officer standards and training certificate, which mandates that, among other things like physical requirements, an officer attend an academy as a minimum of 500 hours long. And how long is 500-hour course? Assuming a standard eight-hour day, not counting weekends, 62 days. Two months? Yeah. Would you like to know what it takes to get a barber's license in most states? 1,000 hours. Twice what it takes to be a cop to cut hair. A thing your mom can do with a bowl and a pair of fucking scissors. By comparison, just in case you were interested, I spent three months in the law enforcement academy. Three more months in the in a patrol dog school to learn how to be a dog handler. And then two months at ground combat school before I was sent to my first duty station in the military. Once I was at that station, it took almost a full year before I was signed off and considered to be fully trained so that I could perform basic law enforcement without supervision. And this was in 1988 in the Air Force at Podunk, Arkansas. When I left the military, I had to attend another academy class in 2000 just to be a campus cop, an academy class that met the post-certification standards of 500 hours. And you know what my most pressing police duty was as a campus cop? It was helping students hide their kegs from the other campus cops. Why the fuck is this a thing? And let me tell you, if this is what you're paying for, you're not getting your money's worth. Factor in how cops are killing black people like slapping mosquitoes and you are getting fucked. Not as much as black folks, but you know what? That shouldn't surprise anyone. So maybe this whole idea of defunding or even abolishing the police isn't as crazy as it seems. Maybe, just maybe, if I can't appeal to your basic humanity and sense of decency, and here I'm assuming you're conservative who has somehow stumbled into this podcast, let me appeal to you by saying this, you're not getting your money's worth out of the cops because the cops are really, really, really shitty, bad employees, underqualified, poorly trained, and costing you a shitload of money and lost profits because of their lawsuits and high insurance payments. Wouldn't you, Mr. Businessman, say to yourself, is there not a better way? I am here to tell you that there is. It won't happen overnight. It won't be easy, but it will save you, Mr. Conservative, money in the long run. First step, in qualified immunity for police. That's the law that prohibits cops from being sued for misconduct when they're on the job. This is an easy one, because once these fat fucking ticks in human suits start seeing their pensions confiscated and their bass boats being carted off to pay for lawsuits, you will see them stop fucking getting their dicks hard when they beat the shit out of a black kid, or if you're conservative, an old white dude. Second, pass laws to control the police unions and their payments for union bosses. You are happy enough to do that shit when it comes to poor people at a Walmart, use some of that free market mojo on the fucking cop unions, and you will see these white dudes that haven't fucking drove a patrol car in 20 fucking years start taking their retirement options too fucking sweet. And then pass a law mandating police live where they work. You work in Harlem, you fucking live in Harlem. Don't like it? We can find someone who does. Raise the minimum standards to be into a cop to be in at least as high as a fucking barber. Nothing against the Russian dudes that cut my hair and they have a straight razor and shit, but I kind of want the folks who investigate crimes to at least have some education on the shit they aren't allowed to do. Make your departments look like the community they serve. I mean, tattooed white bros with Confederate flags on their cars, fine on Merrick, Long Island, but not in East New York. 
Actually, no, they're not fine in Merrick Long Island either. And finally, and perhaps biggest of all, give the people real power over the police. New York City what they, has what they call a citizen complaint review board, which is four lies in a row. They have no real power over the cops. Give them some. Create a panel with at least four civilians elected by the people, three lawyers with relevant experience, and a two, at least two of them who are the public defenders, and two retired cops appointed by the police department, and give them real power to discipline cops, to fire cops. You will see some shit change real quick when the people have the power over the cops they pay for. Look, this is America. We're not going to erase 400 years of racism overnight, but we can do things to put the cops back in line with what we want them to be, what the law requires them to be. We can make a system where people who know what the fuck they are doing can do things to help people, and the cops can do what they are supposed to know what they are doing and doing, which is chase actual bad guys. Looking at you, Jeff Bezos. Looking at you. Because the cops are not soldiers, and we are citizens, not the enemy. We are their employers, and we should be in control. Not them, not the union, not the governor, and not Bill de Blasio, and definitely not some nutless wonder with a crackpot theory based on his fucking time in the military about wolves and sheepdogs. The only theory that should be involving wolves and sheepdogs are in fucking Looney Tunes cartoons. Morning, Ralph. Morning, Sam. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Did you catch the news, bot friends? This here low-rated podcast is moving to an actual podcast network with, like, real people working there and doing stuff to support and, spread, support and promote the show. I know. I know. It is the epitome of what the hell were you thinking. I mean, presumably, they, they have heard the show. Still, starting July 1st, we will be on the Seltzer Kings podcast network, which is a real thing and not at all like Fast Eddie's. Shout out to Jeremy at Seltzer Kings for giving us this shot, man. It's going to be amazing. You're going to see some big changes around here. I'll tell you now. Things are going to be different. Gavin is sweating this shit real, real bad. So rate and review the show wherever you get your pods so people can find it and wonder, why the hell did they put them on the network? Follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. News and details about our big move will be found at whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Dave, cool pig blood so producer, it's a fair cop, Gavin. We want to say, if I found you jamming the fog hat with a case of malt liquor and a bong in the back, I would definitely hang out with you. We'll see you all next week.
I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.